Ladies and gentlemen. That was a terrible impression. But I'm joined by no, not the X Factor guy, but a guy who can do the X Factor guy's voice. I'm joined by Darren Eltman, uh, who is a comedic impressionist and was uh, a semi-finalist on Britain's Got Talent once. Now, Darren can do some very interesting impressions. He can do Boris Johnson, he can do Gok Wan, and of course, the X Factor guy. So he does some impressions on the show for us. And also talks about his experience um, being a professional drummer and expecting to have a career in that before uh, having a career in impressions, going down a route he never thought he would go on. So it was the unexpected for him. And he talks all about that on the show. And tell us what you thought and give us your opinion on what you think Darren's best impression is by emailing the team at trackbackpodcast.yahoo.com and email the team as well. Um, Or uh, follow us on Instagram at trackbackpod. Uh, it would be great to hear from you. But this is Darren out. Darren, this is uh, the TikTok track. And of course, I interview individuals from TikTok about why they set up their TikTok um, accounts. But with you, we're going to start uh, in the Wayback Machine all the way to 2016 when you appeared. <laughs> I think you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. You appeared mm-hmm. on our screens as that happy-go-lucky chap on Britain's Got Talent. So let's go all the way back to that when I was watching that. I was 20 years old at the time. I was in university and I was watching you on my um, television screen. And I have to be honest, those impressions were spot on. But the first question I've got for you is, what made you want to showcase yourself on BGT? Um, well, the, the short answer is I didn't. Um, I'll let you into a trade secret. They've got, you can, you can queue up an audition or they've got teams of researchers and producers scouring for talent, you know, YouTube and what have you. And the year before I went on, uh, they got in touch. I, I put up a video of like how to do uh, celebrity impressions. It was a little sort of breakdown of, you know, uh, and that did well on YouTube. So they 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 found me and said, we've seen your video. Uh, would you like to come on BGT? And I politely turned it down because I'm a voiceover artist. That's what I do for a living. And I thought going on there and bombing wouldn't be the greatest career move. So I turned it down. Uh, and then they came back a year later and said, you want to go on Britain's Got Talent? And I thought, oh, sod it, go on then. And I thought, um, well, I'll tell you what, I've already got that video, which was, a, I don't know how long it was, but I can basically write an act and try and do some sort of linking theme where I sort of transition from one voice to another, one celebrity to another. And they loved it. And I got to the semifinals and... Um, yeah. Yeah, that was it. You know, I'll never forget. I think my favourite impression of yours on that audition stage was actually when you did Boris Johnson. That was uh, incredible. You know, I can can remiss what you said um, because you were doing before, I think it was Atten Deck, lower your voice and then you will have this chap, yes, to do your Boris. I can (laughs) exactly what you said. Uh, Um, Yes, to do your Boris, you have to talk (laughs) at different speeds with vim and vigour whilst accentuating random words in your uh, sentence. Uh, I'll never forget uh, uh, some random Latin. Castigat, Redendu, Mores. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what's funny? You should call somebody and actually do that impression. Oh, I've done that. I've done that. I've done crank calls. How have, yeah, how have they how have they reacted to those? Did they actually believe they were speaking to our prime minister? I've done quite a few now, and some of them they believe you, and others I I tried to ring up car dealerships as Jeremy Clarkson, and I got one bit of video, but I'm not joking. Um, I'm giving away the magic of showbiz now, but I literally rung probably five or six where they just went yeah all right, or and just and just didn't <laughs> put the phone down. So um, but the sixth one. 
you know, we had a conversation. I think I said, oh, I'm going to be in the area. I, I, I was ringing up a supercar. I know nothing about cars. And I rang up supercar showrooms. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you went on to that stage, you know, to do your audition on Britain's Got Talent in front of, you know, big high profile celebrities such as uh, Mr. Nasty himself. Um, what was going through your, your, your mind, you know, in front of all those people? I mean, did you think it would go as well as it did? Are we, are we allowed to swear on your podcast? Go for it, my friend. I was shitting it uh, <laughs> because I'm not, um, I'm not, a, well, I wasn't a performer and um, um, you get comedians on there and magicians and what have you that, that have literally been doing it for years. That's what they do. But I had no experience as a, a stand-up comedian. I had to go out and do a few uh you know sets to, to get the practice in and it was i was so nervous so i cannot tell you how nervous i was uh but then you know i got a standing ovation and simon cow said some really nice things and then you know it's weird because when you're on stage you get a laugh and you get another laugh and then your confidence rockets and it's like you're flying it's uh, that 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 was probably the best experience on on a stage ever it was just yeah it was it was a credible feeling do the audience help with that? You know, as you mentioned, it, it feels like going on a rocket ship. Does, you know, the support and the cheering of the audience really help you and motivate you to, you know, just keep, oh, yeah, because, keep, keep because going? Fun, fun, well, fundamentally, you're there to make people laugh. You know, you, you don't want people going, you know, that's a very good Boris Johnson. Yes, well done, well done. You don't want that. You want people to laugh. So if they don't laugh, um, you know, you fundamentally there's something wrong you know either your voices aren't good as an impressionist or the material's not good so um as soon as you get that laugh and then another one then another one you're just like oh my god it's amazing it's, it still blows my mind and you know it, it's still an incredible feeling yeah absolutely now at deck um we're watching you do of course your your performance when you um started impersonating them um <laughs> i mean were you thinking that if you turn your head sideways, Deck was just staring you right in the face. I think I, I, I can't remember. I think I did turn my, my head when I was doing Declan Donnelly. That's right. Yeah, you know, cheeky little grin, waggle of the jaw. That's right. And my aunt's got better. I didn't really do him better. Oh, that's right. He's got this sort of thing that you can't see. There's a podcast with his teeth. Oh, <laughs> that's right, Deck. Oh, <laughs> it's got better. It's got better. <laughs> um so before you actually went on stage um what was your planning process like 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 choosing exactly who you're going to impersonate was it the kind of the chance of doing people that you already had experience doing or were there any impressions like Ant and Deck or Gokwan that you had never done before and you thought okay I'm going to try it out for the first time on stage in front of what? tens of thousands of people <laughs> well yeah well 11 million I think for the semi-final it was insane um but um the um, I think I chose my strongest ones and, and I knew the audience. You see, you, if you go on Britain's Got Talent, you understand that you've got seven-year-olds and six-year-olds right up to, you know, 85-year-olds. You know, it's right across the board. It's prime it time, it's light entertainment. So, um, you know, I've done, I did a cruise after BGT and I, it was to an elderly demographic and I was doing Dara O'Brien and, and, and David Mitchell and I, 
in all honesty, I absolutely bombed because <laughs> my material was completely wrong. So um, I knew that if I stuck to Alan Sugar, Gordon Ramsay, Boris Johnson, David Attenborough, just household favourites, everyone would know them, you know. And then, of course, you have to do Anton Deck because they're there. It's, you know, and you, you know, you're going to get laughs from that. So I wish you did a Simon Cowell impression. That would I sort of do now, really. Yeah. Look, look, I like you, Callum, you know, but this this podcast, it's dreadful. It really, I mean, but I like you. It's a no from me, you know. You can think how he would have reacted to that if you would have done it yeah. back then. Got to do the eyes as well, you know. Look. look. <laughs> but, you know, you raised a very interesting point when you said about, you know, when you're on that cruise ship and you, you, you bomb because you chose the wrong material. Is it very important for a comedian to get it spot on to, you know, realising they have to pick the right material? I mean, it's got to be funny. What I mean, I'm learning, you know, all the time. And I was chatting to my manager the other day and I was saying, you know, we were talking about having a club set, which is more... God, that's a big click from my mouth. I do a pot. You can edit that out. Uh, a club set, which is more, you know, adult orientated. You know, it's more crude or more swears. But you know, if you're booked to do a corporate or a, or a wedding and there's children running around, then you've got to have uh, another set and that in your bag where you can't be effing and blinding and talking about, you know, adult material. So uh, yeah, it's know your audience definitely. But what kind of audience do you feel more in your element with? Do you feel more at home when you're, you know, in front of children or when you're in front more of, you know, older adults? And yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a blue comedian. I'm not Bernard Manning or, you know, Frankie Boyle for sure. But I mean, there is a few choice themes and, and you know, the odd word. Uh, so, uh, you know, for example, you can't, well, I can't do Gordon Ramsay without swearing because, you know, when you watch That's him. That's what makes these, Gordon Ramsay, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and also it's it's like a, it's a, it's like a sort of punch, you know, when you go, hey, big boy, look at me, that salmon was fucking raw, you know, and it's, it, it just feels so satisfying and natural to do that, you know. For somebody that tries to own um, their craft in doing celebrity impressions, what is the key to learning? Do you have to analyse those celebrities um, on TV? What is the key to making a perfect celebrity impression? Um, you've got to get the voice. It's a combination. When I say the voice, I mean, just not the voice, the voice, the pitch, the register, the mel if there's the melody in there, voice you know, of the for example, Joe Brand always talks like this. Da -da 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 -da. If you're doing Joe Brand, you have to go down at the end. Um, you know, the, the, the rhythm of it, the phrasing, and then the mannerisms. So, you know, if when I do uh, Gordon, then I have to do, even if an advert comes in a radio ad or something, or, you know, they want me to be Gordon Ramsay or uh, Boris Johnson, the, 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 the politician's uh, thumb, uh, <laughs> you know, and it, and it all helps sort of to encapsulate the, the characters and the voices. You know, if I was the producers of The X Factor, I would kick Peter Dixon out and replace him with you. Darren, Ladies and gentlemen, the double discount sale at SCS. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, so going all the way back to your childhood, I mean, what started, you know, your love and passion for the industry you want to get into? Were there any inspirations that you, you know, really looked up to and can always um, credit for your successes? Well, I was a drummer for years. I, I came into voiceovers very late, but I was that guy that always did impressions, you know, taking the mickey out of teachers and friends and, and people on TV. Um, but I studied jazz at Leeds College of Music and the Guildhall School and Trinity, and I was drumming for years. 
Um, but I've always been able to, I think it's probably having a musical ear so you can sort of hear where things sit and also feel it in the throat. So I've always had that, that say ability, if you like, you know, to do voices. Um, and in answer to your question, I used to watch Spitting Image when I was young, the first series when it came, people like Chris Barry, um, Alistair McGowan was great, Phil Cool. Uh, so yeah, impressionist when I was growing up. I mean, Rory Bremner, of course. What really was the critical change from drumming to, um, you know, doing impressions and, and and comedy? What was that critical change? What made you change your mind? Because um, it seems you were, of course, really into drumming. I mean, what was that critical point of you thinking, this isn't really what I want to do, even after all those years of studying that you did to become a drummer? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I mean, I was very, I, did, I was very successful. You know, I was playing at Ronnie Scott's and recording albums at Abbey Road and gigging and touring. And um, but for some reason, I don't know why, I made a very crude voiceover demo, a reel. I think even on Garage Band on the Mac or something, and I put it together. And for some reason, I, I lo and behold, I got an agent, my first agent, and quite quickly, I was doing computer games and TV commercials and all different sort of stuff. And and it, it was it wasn't necessarily a conscious decision, but it, you know, I started learning and I started studying and I bought the equipment and I started getting more and more work. And it was just it sort of by osmosis. And suddenly, you know, I was still gigging. Don't get me wrong, I was still bit, uh, gigging. But then Britain's Got Talent happened. Um, and that people sort of knew me with social media for the impressions and the voices. Um, and now I am gigging, but as and when really, uh, you know, it's, it's not my main focus. It's not my main job. The voiceovers, uh, are the main thing, but yeah, it was, it was a gradual transition really. It's great to hear though, that you have not lost, um, you know, your passion and flair for drumming. Uh, do you know, I've got a gig on Sunday, believe it or not. And it's the first one, uh, proper gig where I have to you know read music and play for wow two years something like that that is crazy it's gotta be yeah so no pressure <laughs> no, no pressure at all I mean I'm rooting for you um but let's let's go into TikTok now um so Dan what attracted you to TikTok what was the um uh the drive to joining uh the app we all know it's it's obviously one of the most popular apps um today um, you know, thank you, China, for inventing it. But um, I mean, what 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 drew you to TikTok? Um, I was told about it only a couple of years ago. I think I was having a chat with some voiceover friends and we were talking about social media marketing. And I said, oh, you know, about Twitter and uh, and I wasn't really on Instagram. And someone told me about Have you heard about this new thing called TikTok. And I logged on. I was like, bloody hell. Wow. So I think I put a couple of posts up and a few, the first few did well. And um and now yeah i mean i haven't got millions of followers i mean i've seen some of the guests you have on and they've got like some of them have got a few million you know it's insane um i've got i think 115,000 um but certainly i've had videos that have got like two and a half million views 1.7 million you know it's it's a combination of things they love i do lots of different things on tiktok and some things fly and they take off and others don't and there's sort of no rhyme nor reason for it i try and post in the evenings now like after eight half eight where i think from the insights where my it is a work my demographic uh, will be listening uh oh, sorry i'm watching so uh like i said some things take hold and they just get shared 
as I'm, I heard the stories with uh, your Paul guy when he was on, you know, your phone literally just doesn't stop pinging and you can't hundreds and thousands of followers and some don't, they just don't, you know, don't that, take that's, off. Yeah. That's the actual beautiful thing about TikTok is the fact that some things do, you know, explode and some things don't. Mm. It's, it's the, it's the luck of the, the draw, isn't it? Um, mm. But does that amaze you, Darren, at the fact that some content creators who do the most out of the box things like, Miles, the pool guy, does of just cleaning people's pools, and now he's cleaning footballers and Stacey Solomon's pool. Does mm. it amaze you at the fact how somebody can get famous on that app for doing the most random things? Um, well, Miles is quite clever. Whether it was conscious or no, it was conscious because he said on his interview that he created a channel specifically for his pool stuff. So, believe it or not, the more niche you are, and the more you sort of can drill down into something, it it sort of works conversely there's a chance that you'll get a bigger following because it's so specialized. I mean, I've sat and watched his videos and before you know it, you know, you've watched him clean 10 pools, you know, and it's ridiculous. Um, but like you say, the way he edits it, the way it's presented, it's really simple. There's no camera trickery. Um, and yeah, you know, you'll get people, there's a chef that's just doing a month of recipes every day on potatoes and she gets thousands, you know, it's amazing. The, the niche things that just fly. And I think it's the same with my voiceovers. I've, I'll record a session, like a 30-second radio ad, and people aren't used to seeing it. You know, it's it's completely novel. Um, so, they, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, when you first joined, who were the influencers that you, you checked out before you started releasing your own content? Who did you really take to that was out there uh, at the time when you joined? I didn't really take to anyone, Callum. I didn't have a clue about the app. I just sort of saw what was going on. And... Um, uh, and then just sort of started filming stuff. Oh, there was a guy that I quite, I thought he was, uh, had a good personality. Uh, he's called Temptation or something. He's a fitness coach and he does uh, shirtless, sh he does recipes and he's into his health and fitness. He was, he was a cool guy. I, quite, I, w I watched uh, him for a while. Yeah. You should just call him the cool guy now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cool guy. Yeah. Yeah. The cool guy. But no, um, I didn't really, you know, latch on to anyone per se. Yeah. But you can see the benefits of that for you page on TikTok where you can just scroll through and see the diversity. It's beneficial. It's got something like that compared to, you know, other social media apps like Facebook. When, you, when, when people talk about TikTok and ask me about it, that, you know, that maybe they're not on the app, I say, you know, you have to trawl through a lot of crap you know, or girls doing all the trends and what have you, which is fine, you know. Uh, but there are some amazing, like, artists. But by that, I mean painters, calligraphy artists, you know, uh, singers, chefs, you name it, you know, as well as all your clips and your memes and all that stuff. There are people with real talent. There's a young ventriloquist, and he's amazing. Have you seen it? What's his name? We follow each other. He's a young guy, and he's incredible, you know, ventriloquist. And... Uh, yeah, you're right. It's 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 unbelievable. Some of the chefs, you know, people in Turkey making ridiculous ice creams or whatever you want, it's on there. You know, it's bizarre. I mean, Gordon's on there as well, which is a benefit. Of course he is. I've I've duetted with people as Gordon. But yeah, I put on my blonde wig and put a tea towel over my shoulder and go, "What are you doing? Fuck me! It looks like someone's run over a cat." You know, and do all that. You know. <laughs> So when you well, tell me about the process when you released your very first skit, um, what was what was your intention to show? Obviously, people have seen you before um, on Britain's Got Talent and, of course, on the circuit. But what did you want to show in that very first skit? And what was your reception to what people thought about that very first skit that you released? 
do you know, I, I wish you'd have asked me before because I can't remember what it is. I think I did a video like an announcing, not announcing, but saying, hi, guys, it's Darren here. I'm on TikTok. Nice to see you. <laughs> something stupid like that. And then I thought, well, I better do something here. So I, all the way through lockdown, I will say I did a daily Boris update where I put on my suit and tie and my Boris wig. And every day throughout when coronavirus, we were properly locked down. Um, so I did a daily Boris thing. But apart from that, I think it was just lots of impressions. Um, and a lot of it was me drunk at the end of the night because I wasn't confident enough to do it in the day. So I would just get hammered and and then put a video of something up. But uh, it's sort of, it's, it's, I do a whole load of, th- um, have you seen the video of me with the blonde wig and all yeah, of that? Yeah, I've seen one of yeah. them. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Um, Act. <laughs> But, um, you know, you know, speaking of coronavirus, I wanted to bring that up. Um, you know, as a comedian, how has your industry fared during that pandemic? I mean, how has how has it been for you? Obviously, you know, it, it must have been tough not being able to get up on stage and doing the things that you like to do because of that rampaging virus. But how has it been for you? Well, gigs stopped, clearly, because there were no pubs and no clubs. So we're just getting back into going out and doing stand up. But I'm very lucky with my day to day uh work my voiceovers I'm talking to you from my studio now and and thankfully I've been very lucky it's been fine you know we've sort of carried on yeah the work has got a lot well did get a lot quieter uh but I'm in a very privileged position that I could just carry on working from home but yeah as far as performing and don't forget all my musician friends and performers who are like all their West End shows were were, were, uh canned you know feel sorry for them and all the jazzers that were out playing you know in clubs they've had nothing how do you think this is going to change stand-up comedy going forward? Uh, I think people will um, appreciate it more, certainly. Uh, we, we were doing, comedians were doing a lot of Zoom gigs where you, to, to varying degrees of success. Sometimes you can see everyone, you know, in, in all the little boxes. And sometimes when it, we would, I did a, a corporate where um, I said, will I be able to see the audience? And the, he said, no. Anyway, I could hear the guy sort of introduce me, ladies and gentlemen, Darren Altman, and the screen went blank, and I had to do ten minutes to my to my camp, my webcam, with nothing in front of me, and 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 I said, oh, thank you very much. I've been Darren Altman. I hope you enjoy it. Good night. And I think I put my head in my hands and thought, I, fuck I me, what was that about? <laughs> I just could not. Oh. You mean you, you mentioned you did a few Zoom gigs, but how how did that differ to doing you know live in front of people gigs? It must have been a whole different environment. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, you know, like I said, a couple of them were all right, but some of them were just, yeah, it's different. It's nice being on a stage, seeing people. It's that, that's a kick. So, Darren, one of my final questions. Tell me about some of the opportunities that you received from, you know, Britain's Got Talent that in some aspects has changed your life. Um, well, I mean, listen, I don't consider myself famous at all because I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, it's sort of 15 minutes of fame stuff, really. But I mean, I did pantomime. Uh, which was good fun and I've now got a manager so I do corporates and host events and award ceremonies um, and stand up and perform so you know it's good it's fine and it's it's done my voiceover career uh, the world of good and that's all so that matters little, isn't it you know yeah so you know but I'm not a, a household name well give it five years you will be or even one year or two <laughs> No, but do you think that's the best thing about the industry of the arts is that you, ne- you know, you never know what can happen. And, and that's the thing about TikTok as well, is that you could do one skit that completely explodes. It's the it's the world of the unexpected when it comes to the arts. You just don't know. You could lift off tomorrow. It's so unexpected, this industry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you don't do these things to necessarily become famous. But I mean, certainly, you know, social media 
stars, you know, people are household names that, that were just from, I mean, you know, look at what's his face, you know, people like KSI, you know, I don't know, I'm, I didn't really watch his videos per se, but I mean, was he just vlogging and just doing his daily life? I don't know what he was up to. That's exactly what he was doing. And then he ended up fighting Logan Paul and whipping his ass. <laughs> yeah, in the, um, and it was on uh, in the O2, uh, you know, pay-per-view. It was on Five Live. I mean, it was huge. And I've just read he's starting up his own uh, sporting entertainment agency where maybe I think he thinks, oh, oh, we've got a trick here. I mean, good luck to him, you know. Brilliant. Well, Darren, um, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great chatting to you. Um, uh, and of course, um, for the viewers that are listening back to this episode with me, Cal Mac, where can they find your TikTok and other socials? Okay, so TikTok is just my name, all one word, Darren Altman, D-A-R-R-E-N-A-L-T-M-A-N. Uh, I'm Darren Altman on Twitter. And for some reason on Instagram, I'm Darren underscore Altman. Don't yeah, it has a habit of using the underscore a lot. <laughs> There, there you go but you can catch this interview with darren on apple Podcasts and spotify darren it's been a pleasure chatting to you and good luck for your future um wherever it takes you thank you so much that's really kind of you thank you my friend